Amen. That's a great challenge. Stop running. So today we're talking about a runaway prophet. In Jonah chapter 1, I encourage you to find your place in God's Word as we walk through this this morning. There's a price to pay. Uh, this morning as I've been walking around in connect groups, had a lot of conversations with people about animals, talked about some dogs, and one connect group I was in, somebody said, you're from Kentucky, right? I said, yes. They said, have you ever eaten any possum? I said, I've ate possum a lot, but not roadkill, but something else, but but uh, never done that. And then, then we come today to talk about a fish. I'm sure in this room, those who are watching, we've got many, many fish stories, but the story of Jonah is the greatest fish story in all of history. So we think about the story in Jonah chapter one, a runaway prophet. Several years ago, Ainge and I were in uh, Cabo San Lucas, Mexico on vacation. And so we were staying at this hotel right on the beach the Sea of Cortez, and so I'm walking around the hotel one day, and I see this sign that was talking about a sunset dinner on the beach, and so I saw a price a figure there, and I thought, that would be nice. I'm going to surprise Angie. I'm going to do that, so I told him, charge that to the room, and just tell us what time to be there, and so we did all that, and so we're standing on the balcony that afternoon, and we're looking down there, and they're getting it all set up, table chairs. There's, it's just a beautiful setting on the beach. And so we're talking about that's going to be great for somebody. And then we finally get to the point and said, well, Angie, it's not just for somebody, it's for us. And so we walk down some stairs, we walk on the beach, we take our seats. And these people, Cabo San Lucas at this resort, serving us in amazing ways. They've got radios, their radio back and forth with one another, bring this, bring that, bring this. It was incredible dinner. The sun finally set over the Sea of Cortez. It was an incredible evening. And then a guy came and he gave me a folder and I opened it up and it was a bill. And I said, no, I paid that earlier today I had them to put it on my room they said no you paid the deposit this is the bill and uh, suddenly my food just didn't taste so well and I thought I, I'm not sure if this is going to stay down or not that I'm going to have to pay this it was a great evening but there was a price to pay read the fine print sometimes when you do that it was still a, still a great evening as we think about Jonah chapter 1 I want you to know this now, that was a positive experience but if Almighty God speaks into your life and he asks you to go north and you go south, if God speaks into your life and he asks you to go west and you go east, I promise you it could be the most expensive trip of your life. There's a price to pay. I was reflecting back this morning and just listening to some music when I was ordained into the ministry. And when I was ordained into the ministry, it was on a Sunday morning and my senior pastor whom I love dearly, just said, what song or two do you want to be shared at your ordination service? And I go back in the late 80s, there was a song by Steve Green entitled, Find Us Faithful. And I said, love for that song to be sung on that Sunday morning, Find Us Faithful, because from the day that the Lord called me in life, and when I started in ministry and many years in ministry, and even today when I think about finishing in ministry, I want to be found faithful. Had a great beginning. The journey in ministry has been amazing. And I want to come to the finish line faithful. And that's not just based on me. That's based on the faithfulness of God in my life. As I hear from him, as I run to him and not run from him, I want to finish life but finish ministry faithful. Here's what I believe out of our church as well. When I think about what God is doing, when I look at preschoolers and kids and students in our ministry here, I believe we're going to see God call out many of these young people to serve him in ministry in the days ahead. 
And I pray as God calls these young people out to serve him in ministry in so many different ways, that they're going to have this same desire. God, as you're faithful, may people who come behind me find me faithful as well. I mean, Jonah was an incredible person. Had a call from God, but ran the other way, the, the runaway prophet. But God wasn't finished with his life, as we're going to see. So I want you to look at this outline with me this morning. Answer a few of these questions to consider about Jonah. I want to make sure you understand these. Look at question number one, or statement number one. Was Jonah a historical person? Are you going to meet people in life and ministry who doubt the historicity of Jonah? What does the Bible say? Let me give you a couple of references. Second Kings chapter 14. As we see in the text here, verse 25, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai. So when you look at this idea of Jonah, Jonah was an 8th century prophet in northern Galilee. He was a real historical person. He was a servant of God. So we see that. What about the Lord Jesus? Look over in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, the Bible says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So we look and we see in Second Kings, but we also see from the lips of the Lord Jesus as well, that Jonah was a historical person. He was a servant. He was a prophet of God. Number two, who or what is the primary character of the book? As you and I think about this short book of Jonah, only four chapters, who is the primary character or person of the book? Some people would look at it and say, well, it must be Nineveh, because that's where God was calling him to. Nineveh is mentioned nine times in the book of Jonah. Some people look at it and say, well, when you look at it, it must be the fish, because it's a story about a great fish. The fish is mentioned four times in the book of Jonah. Others would say, well, Jonah has to be the central character because Jonah's mentioned 18 times in the book, so it must be about Jonah. Well, interesting enough, the book of Jonah is not about Jonah. It's not about a fish. It's not about the city of Nineveh. The book of Jonah is about Almighty God himself. God is mentioned 38 times in the book of Jonah. And so when you look at the book of Jonah and you discover who God is, you understand how merciful God is. You understand how compassionate God is. But you also understand how loving God is. We need that this morning in our lives. We need the mercy of God. We need the compassion of God. And you and I need the love of God in life. And we see that in the life of Jonah. So God is the primary character of the book. It is the Lord God himself. Question three, does the book of Jonah have any relevance for today, for life today? And the answer would be absolutely yes. When you look at the book of Jonah and you see who Jonah is and his story, here's, here's the importance of that for us. Your life and my life, we have significance to God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So if you're a kid, a student, or an adult, God made you. He's given you breath and life today. Your life has significance for him. Let, let me give you this one as well. There are consequences when you run from God in life. We see that in the book of Jonah. When you hear God's voice in your life and you know what God wants you to do, but you run the other way, you are going to face significant consequences. There's a price to pay when you run from God rather than run to him. And then here's some good news for us. When you think about the book of Jonah, any relevance for our life today? Yes, here it is. Many of us have failed in life, but just because you failed in life doesn't mean God is finished with you in life. We're going to see over the next number of weeks, I would encourage you to be a part of every one of these four sermons coming up because you need to understand what God is doing in the life of Jonah, how he gave him a second chance, 
and how God is the God of a second chance with you and me in many ways. And so our lives have significance. When you disobey God, you will face the consequences. And if you have failed God, it doesn't mean he's finished with you because of his mercy, his compassion, and his love. So he's still at work in your life. So I want to walk through the book of Jonah in chapter 1. 17 verses. We're going to get to the fish here at the end. But I want to walk through this and have you to write some things in as we walk through this text. Number one, listen as God speaks. When I think about Jonah chapter 1, here's what I know with all confidence. God knows you and me. God loves you and me. And God desires to use you and me. Have you ever been at a place in life where there were just some things, some truths, some realities for you, just hard for you to accept? I would say most of us would say that. How many of us in this room, maybe some watching, would say, it is hard for me to accept how God could love me in life? I mean, look at all the mistakes I've made in life. I've lived like he didn't even exist. I've lived for self. It's all been about pride in my life. But how could God love me in life? And then maybe it's just hard for you to accept, how could God forgive me for all the sins in my life? But God is a God of forgiveness as well. And then how could God ever use me? I mean, I don't have anything of what it takes to be used of God, but why would God speak into my life? And why would God want to use me? Some of those things are just hard to accept in life. And so what we're going to see here, listen as God speaks, God is going to speak into the life of a guy by the name of Jonah, who was a servant. Look at these, write these down. Number one, God is still speaking. As you think about this text, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Didn't come to just anyone. It came to a guy by the name of Jonah. God is speaking, and he's speaking to individuals. He was speaking to Jonah. Jonah, I'm speaking to you by name. Very clear. This is the guy. This is his father. As you and I think about life, we need to make sure we know this, that God is still speaking to you and me, and we need to put ourselves in a position to hear what God is saying to us in life. And so you say, well, if God is still speaking, how does he do that? Primarily, he's going to speak through the Bible. He's going to speak through the Holy Spirit. He's going to speak through prayer. He's going to speak through circumstances. And he's going to speak through other godly people in our lives. God is still speaking to you and me. And I challenge you, if you're going to run to God and not run from him, I challenge you, put yourself in a position, slow down the pace of your life, find yourself in a place where you can hear what God wants to say to you, and make sure you listen to what God wants to say into your life. Because God is still speaking to you and me. He was speaking to Jonah and he's speaking to you and me. Number two, discover God's plan for life. In this text here, we know not only is he speaking to Jonah, but it says this, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Not only was God speaking to Jonah, but God clearly told Jonah, Here's what I want you to do in your life. I want you to go to Nineveh, this great city. Their evil has come up before me. And I want you to speak, preach my message against that city. It was clear that Jonah knew exactly what God wanted him to do in his life. God spoke to him and Jonah, here is my plan. Here's my direction. Here's what I'm calling you to do. As you and I go through life, one of the greatest discoveries we'll ever make in life is discovering the will of God, the plan of God for our lives. 
And you say, well, how am I going to know God's will? How am I going to know God's plan? Again, if you're going to do that, know the word of God because God's will will always be consistent with his word. You know the word of God, you'll discover the will of God for your life. Make sure you are a student of scripture, the word of God. God, what are you saying in the pages of scripture? Because your word is inspired, I want to hear from you. I'd also encourage you to evaluate your circumstances if you're going to know the will of God and the plan of God. What is God doing in your life? Is he opening a door or closing a door? Why did God send this person into your life? Why is God allowing you to go through a series of trouble and adversities or even storms in life? What is God doing? Is he getting your attention? Evaluate your circumstances. God, what are you saying doing in my life with the circumstances of my life? I'd also encourage you, put around you some godly people who will speak God's truth into your life. Not just people who will say what you want to hear, but people who will help you discern what God is saying to you. People who love God, people who know the truth, the truth of God's word, people who love you and want to see you in the center of God's will. Put those people around you in life. If you're going to listen to God, discover his will, his plan. And then, then for that, I just encourage you, peace. Make sure you have the peace of God. If you're getting ready to make a decision, you're getting ready to go a certain direction in life and you don't have the peace of God, I would encourage you to be extremely careful about making that decision because he's not the God of confusion. He is a God of peace. And so if you're going to know the plan of God, the purpose of God, the will of God, make sure those things are a part of your life. God's spoken to Jonah's life. God told him what to do. Arise, go to Nineveh, this great city. Preach the message I'm going to give you because their evil has come up against me. And number three, a decision must be made. In this context, Jonah was at a fork in the road. He was going to make a decision. What did he do? But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. I mean, God spoke to his life. Jonah, I'm not speaking to some other people. I'm speaking to you. Jonah, you don't have to wonder what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach the message to them. Jonah was going to make a decision. What was it? He, he woke up. He, he moved away. Here was his decision. God, I'm going to run from you, not run to you. You and I, we have to find ourselves in the position when God speaks your name. He tells you what he wants you to do in life. The question is, are you running to God or are you running from God? It even applies to us on this Sunday morning. God's going to speak into your name and give you an invitation. Here's his will, plan, direction for your life. You're going to make a decision. Again, are you going to run with him or are you going to run from him? Jonah was running from God. He moves to, and goes to Joppa. Listen, he's running away from God. Let me ask you this morning. You're in this room. The Holy Spirit's convicting you about giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that you're lost. You know that he is the only way to be saved. He died on the cross and gave his life victorious over the, over the grave because Jesus Christ is alive. Are you going to run to him or are you going to run from him? God is speaking into your life. He wants you to be baptized as a believer in Christ. Not to be saved but because you are saved. He wants you to go public, stand before others, saying that you're not ashamed or embarrassed of your relationship to Christ. Are you going to run to God or from God with his invitation to be baptized? God's calling you to join the fellowship of this church. 
There's something about commitment, surrendering your life, being a part of this family, growing in your relationship to Christ, being used of God, your giftedness, your availability. Are you going to run to God or are you going to run away from God this morning? I believe the hand of God is on different ones in our church family about Christian ministry. God's got a vocational assignment for you in your life to serve him. And when God calls your name and gives you his will, direction, his plan for your life, you've got a decision to make. How many people today are running from God rather than running to God when it's a call to ministry? I've, I've, I've consulted with guys over the years. God called them in the ministry and they ran from him as fast as they could. And this next statement is not a prideful statement at all. It's one with humility, but I am so, so thankful that when Almighty God called me many, many years ago to serve him in vocational Christian ministry, I didn't run from God, I ran to him. And said, God, I don't want to run from you. If this is your call, your will, your plan, assignment in my life, God, I don't want to be someone who runs away. I want to be someone who runs to and obeys you. But you're going to have a decision to make. And I'll say, it is sad, it is painful, it is heartbreaking to see individuals who need to be saved, who need to be baptized in obedience to Christ, who need to join the fellowship of the church, who need to say yes to vocational ministry. It is painful and sad to see those individuals run away from God rather than run to Him in obedience. Just listen as God speaks. What is He saying to you this morning in this worship gathering. What is his will? What is his plan? What is his direction? And you've got a decision to make. Are you going to run away from him or are you going to run to him in obedience? Listen as God speaks. Number two, follow as God leads. As we look at this text, we're going to see here that God's going to give leadership to not only Jonah but some other people. As I think about this idea, follow as God leads, there's a lot of conversation in our day. There are a lot of books, there are a lot of seminars and conventions on leadership. How do we become better leaders? How do we lead God's people? How do we lead in corporate America and so forth? But interesting enough, the Bible has a lot more to say about following than it does about leading. Are you and I going to be faithful followers? Now we understand in Matthew chapter 4, what do we see in that text? There was a, a challenge there. Jesus, beside the Sea of Galilee, some fishermen, he calls them to leave their nets, their, their family, their occupations. And he said, what, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It wasn't just about leadership, it was about following the leadership of Christ. In Luke chapter 19... Jesus relating to Zacchaeus, who's up in a tree, and he says, I want you to come down out of that tree. I want to go to your house, and ultimately I'm going to change your life. Zacchaeus had a decision to make. Was he going to stay in the tree, or was he going to follow Jesus in his life? Same is true in our day. We can be great leaders, but are we going to be great followers? Are we following the leadership of God? Now, please understand this. You need to know out of Galatians, here's what the Bible says, that whatever we sow, we're also going to reap. You sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap destruction. Or what are you sowing? Are you following the leadership of Jesus? God has called Jonah by name, given him a clear direction about what I want you to do. And Jonah has made a decision. He is running from God, not to God in obedience. There are going to be serious consequences to running from God. Here's what I know about life. If Angie and I spend more than we make every single month, we're going to face financial consequences in life. 
If my diet every day is junk food and I don't exercise any, I promise you there will be physical consequences to living that kind of lifestyle. And I can say today, whether you're a kid, a student, or an adult, you hear the voice of God in your life and you know what Almighty God wants you to do and you run from Him, you say no to Him, you go the opposite direction. I promise you from the Word of God, you will face serious consequences for your disobedience. But follow as God leads. Look at these truths. Number one, the cost of running from God. Look at this text. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, prince of the Lord. Notice how many times in Jonah chapter 1 the word down is used. Anytime you sin against God, you're going down. And so Jonah flees to Tarshish. What does it say in this passage? He paid the fare and went down into it to go to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Here's what I know about how God works. You run with God and he will always pay the fare. You run from God and I promise you, you will be the one who will pay the fare. Jonah paid the fare. It cost him dearly. The cost of running from God. You run from God, I promise you, it will cost you. It may cost you time, it may cost you money, it may cost you relationships, it may cost you unity, cost you peace, but you are going to pay when you run from God in your life. And here's what I know about how all this works. You make a decision that you're going to run from God, I promise you this as well, the devil will always provide the transportation to do so. You want to run from God? He'll make the transportation available. You want to be unfaithful in your marriage? He'll make the transportation available. You want to be unfaithful in your relationship with God? He will provide the transportation to do so. You want to deny your character and integrity? The enemy will make a way for you to do so. But here's what I promise you again. You're unfaithful in your marriage? I promise you, you're going to pay a price to do so. You're unfaithful in your relationship to God? You are going to pay the fare to do so. You deny your character and integrity and you live like God doesn't exist. You are going to pay a high price to be unfaithful to God. Jonah paid the fare. There's going to be a cost when you decide to run from God. And I promise you, you you don't want to pay that cost. You want to be obedient to him. The cost of running from God. Look at number two, the pain of running from God. In this text, Jonah gets on the ship. He goes down into the ship. The Bible says he's even gone down so far in the ship. He has lain down and he was fast asleep. Here's the interesting part about this. Not only did running from God affect Jonah, it affected other people. There were some mariners on the ship, sailors on the ship. It affected their lives as well. When you run from God, it's not only going to impact your life, it's going to influence other people around you. The pain of running from God is to you, but also to other people. I pastored a church in northern Kentucky. The pastor had committed some things that landed him in serious hot water. And because of his disobedience and his actions and his behaviors, did it just affect him? Absolutely not. It impacted his family. It impacted the church family. It impacted the reputation of that church in the community. But his running from God not only affected his life, it affected many other people around him. When you run from God, it is going to influence other people around you. The pain of running from God. How many marriages have been destroyed? Because one individual decided to run from God in that marriage. 
How many families are dysfunctional because one individual in that family decided to run from God? How many churches are disunified and and broken? Why? Because a pastor or a staff member or a leader in that church decided to run from God. And because that individual ran, it influenced other people around him or her. Same is true in our day. There's a cost to run from God. There is a pain to run from God. Number three, the result of running from God. Somewhere your sin is going to find you out. Now here Jonah is on this ship headed for Tarshish. He's down there asleep. This storm is on. Finally the sailors get to the point. They thought they were going to die. Didn't know what they were going to do. They go down there and wake him up. He's down there sleeping. They finally wake him up and say, who are you? Where are you from? What in the world is going on? They had to force a witness out of Jonah. The very one who had experienced the mercy, compassion, love, grace of God. He was so quiet. He was asleep while God was working. God is working in our days, working in our generation. But how many of us are sleeping while God is working? If there's ever a time to wake up, church, it is time to wake up and see the activity of God and how God wants to use you and me to make a difference for his glory and his name. It's time to wake up. And so the result of running from God, you can write this verse down, Numbers chapter 32. You can be sure of this, your sin will find you out. I mean, Jonah heard the call of God. Knew exactly what God wanted to do. He started running the other way. And what it finally found, the result of that, God woke him up. His sin had found him out. Jonah, you are running from me. What's God doing in your life? What's the result of your disobedience? Your procrastination. You're waiting and waiting and waiting. We'll do this sometime. I just want to encourage you. There's going to be a result of running. Your sin will find you out. You're not going to run away from him and get away with it. He's not going to put his head in the sand, pretend like it doesn't happen. Your sin is going to find you out. You will pay the consequences of running and living disobedient to God. Number three, mature as God works. You mature as God works. Let me give you some insight here. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, as you know, lived her life ministering to the down and out of people in Calcutta, India. Incredible compassion and passion for people. The hurting Mother Teresa said one time, you know, the greatest disease in life is, is not cancer. She said the greatest disease in life is, is not leprosy. She said the greatest disease in life, she'd even say, is not AIDS. Well, if it's not, if it's not cancer, if it's not leprosy, it's not age, AIDS, what is the greatest disease in life? Mother Teresa said the greatest disease in life is being unwanted in life. And there's so many people who they run from God. They say, I failed God and let God down. They find themselves in a place where they feel unwanted in life. And that is a tough place to be. If you look at your life today, and you know God has called you and he's spoken into your life and he's asked you to do something, clear direction, his will, his purpose. And you have been running from God and you say, God, I've failed you. I've hurt people around me. Here's the good news. You're not the only one who's done that. You look at David's life, a man after God's own heart, failed God in his own life. You look at Peter, one of Jesus' inner circle individuals, failed the Lord Jesus in his life. 
There have been many of us in this room. We have heard the voice of God. We've been clear about what God wanted us to do, but we ran the other way. We have failed the Lord in life. But the good news is just because you failed doesn't mean you're finished. God is still at work in your life, maturing you as you, as you come back to him again. Look at these. Number one, God gets our attention. Jonah here, this storm is raging and God has got his attention. I mean, his, this storm is, it, the sailors don't think they're going to make it. And they're at throwing cargo over it, all their livelihood, all their inventory. They're throwing it overboard. Anything they can do to survive, not thinking they're going to live and they're throwing it overboard. Finally, they wake up, Jonah, who are you? What's going on in life? What, what, call on your God. Maybe he will do something in our midst. And then Jonah gives this witness. Finally, God has his attention. What is God using in your life to get your attention? Is it a physical issue in your life? Is it a relational issue in your life? A financial issue in your life? A mental, emotional issue in your life? A spiritual issue in your life? What is God doing to get your attention? And here's the interesting part. God was chasing Jonah. As Jonah was running from him, God was chasing him in his life. Let me give you a warning. You look at your life, you say you're a believer in Christ, you say you're a Christian. But when you look at your life, you're living in open rebellion to who God is and God's plan and call on your life. Now understand that. You say you're a believer. You're living in open rebellion to him. And let me say this. If God is not chasing you, you need to discern whose kid you are in life. Because if you're a believer in Christ, you've turned from your sin, you put your trust in Christ, he's forgiven you. You are a child of the living king. And you are living in open rebellion to God. I promise you by the Holy Spirit, he is not going to leave you alone. He is going to convict you and chase you in your life. So so if you say you're a believer and you're living in rebellion and God's not after you, something is wrong in your relationship with him. But God gets his attention. Look at number two, God changes our stories. In this text in Jonah 1, God has got the attention of the sailors. He's got Jonah's attention. God literally changed their stories by grace. It's amazing why Jonah would not talk about the grace of God to these sailors. Truth of the matter is, the sailors cared more about life than Jonah did. God had called him to go to Nineveh and preach and to see this great city come to the Lord. And Jonah refused to do that. And here the sailors are trying to figure out who is the living God here so that this storm would cease, so that they wouldn't die. They cared more about Jonah's life and Jonah cared about these guys. I mean, we've experienced the grace of God as individuals in a church. Why are we so silent about the grace of God to people who are perishing in life? We should be the most ones who are concerned about people who are outside of a relationship with Jesus. If life ended today, they would spend eternity separated from him. God changes stories. Number three, God uses our lives. He used these sailors. You say, when you look at this story... And you see, oh, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay on us innocent blood. Oh, Lord, it's done please you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea. The sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. What does that mean? In our terminology, these sailors got saved. That's what that means. These sailors experienced the grace of God. Now they're following the true and living God in life. 
and happened because God changed their stories and he's using their lives. And God wants to do the same thing in your life. And then we see he gets hurled into the sea, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Can you imagine that experience? There was a seminary student one day in a conversation with someone who was more an atheist in life. And somewhere the conversation got on biblical truth. And finally the atheist brought up the story of Jonah and the fish. And the atheist said, I just can't believe that Jonah was able to survive, breathe in the belly of a fish three days and three nights. And the atheist said to the seminary student, tell me how did that happen? And the seminary student said, well, I can't explain all the ways of God, but I, it's in the Bible. The Bible is inspired. It's God breathed. I believe that happened. And he said, well, just tell me, how do you think it happened? He said, I don't know that. But the seminary student said, you know, when I die and I find myself in heaven, I'll ask Jonah how he stayed in the belly of that fish three days and three nights. And the atheist said, well, what if Jonah is not there? And the seminary student said, well, you ask him then. (laughs) (laughs) Miracles. It's just something you just can't explain. Only God can do that. So so I want to ask you, how is God using you? I want to come back again. Just as God spoke Jonah's name, God gave him clarity about here's what I want you to do. And then Jonah runs from God. There's a price to pay. In this invitation, who under the sound of my voice in the room are watching? You know God's speaking your name. He's speaking into your life. And you know that you're lost. You're outside of a relationship with him. And you know that if you died today, you'd spend eternity separated from him forever and forever and forever. But the grace of God is reaching out to you. He's reaching out to you and he wants to change your life. And God's calling you today to turn from your sin and put your trust in him to be saved and forgiven and have the assurance of heaven. I plead with you, don't run from him today. Don't log off. Don't walk out one of these doors and not give your life to Jesus today. We witnessed a glorious baptism at the beginning of this worship gathering. How many more in this room are watching? You need to be obedient to Christ. There's a clear date, time, defining moment in your life when Jesus came into your life and you need to say yes to him. Don't run from his invitation and leadership in your life today. Join the fellowship of this church. Wonderful church. Seeing the activity of God. And God's calling you to be a part of this faith family. Don't run from God's invitation in your life today. And God's even calling you into Christian ministry. He wants you to surrender all of your life to him. And go through a period of preparation. So that God is going to use you. Don't run from the call of God in your life. Run to him. You can run to him. Why? Because Jesus has paid it all. You don't have to pay the fare. He's paid it for you. When Jesus went to a cross and died and shed his blood, he paid it all, paid in full for you and for me. Don't run from him. Run to him today. There's a price to pay and he has already paid it. Say yes to him. So I want us to bow our heads together and we're going to pray together. 
And I just want to encourage you again in this room watching. Jesus paid it all. It doesn't have to be said about you. He or she paid the fare. No, Jesus has already paid it. I just want to encourage you. Surrender your life to him in salvation. Follow him in baptism. Join the fellowship of this church. Say yes to Christian ministry. He's paid it all for you. And come to him today and say, Jesus, I'm not running away from you. I'm running to you. Because Jonah, you've used that story to speak into my life. There's a price to pay. But I'm trusting what you've already paid for me. Paid in full. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. In the room, those who are watching, how we pray for spiritual decisions today. People to run to you, not from you. And God, I thank you that you have paid it all for us. And his name is Jesus. A powerful, wonderful, beautiful name. So Lord, I pray in this invitation, in the room or those who are watching, will respond to Jesus today and to say, Lord Jesus, change my life, use my story, and thank you for paying it all for my relationship with you and obedience to you. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.